Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grove, and welcome to episode 20 of the Rip Raw and Reds podcast. We are joining you on a fantastic evening after we have just beaten Manchester City at the Emirates. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jace. How are you doing, Jace? Oh, I can't complain after a 1-0 win over Man City. The curse is broken. The 12 How many years was it? Was it six years or something stupid? Like they were saying, is it 12 games Sky Sports were going on about? Like, oh, Arsenal haven't won 12 games. And I think it was like 2015, we lost one or something something like that. But a few will come on Giroud. So, yeah, uh, very happy. And uh, yeah, all round sports weekend wise, uh, very good for me. Very good. Very is it did Verstappen win as well? Did he? Oh, I, I don't care about Verstappen, but I'm a McLaren fan and McLaren came. Second and third, which is really oh, good. Okay. Yeah, they've already lost the constructors, though, haven't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, McLaren <laughs> aren't in the constructors, but they're um, they're competing against Aston Martin, and they both okay. uh, did did well. So I'm happy. All right, good. It shows my my absence of knowledge in Formula One. It's <laughs> not an F1 podcast, mate. It is okay. All right. Good week. Good weekend for you. Happy. Yeah, I'm happy with that result. I'm feeling a little bit. So if I sound bunged up a little bit, I'm a little bit bunged up. I've got a bit of a bad back, but that result has perked, perked me up. I was thinking before the game, probably not in the mood for a podcast at the moment, wasn't feeling it. But after that, you know what? I wanted to jump online with Jason. I wanted to kind of uh, get into it. So I'm going to work on that intro music and we're going to get straight into our show. Let's do it. This is this is my club. Fucking love this football club. How many, how many times have we said over recent times that Martin Lee hasn't scored for Arsenal and back with a bang in uh, this game? There's also one other thing in this. Stuart yeah. McFarlane is in this. And um, there's been some stuff on Twitter that he's like quit Twitter after getting some stick from some fans. And I can't imagine what he could what? possibly get some stick for. Unbelievable. Why, why are Arsenal fans giving him stick? I don't, I, maybe, I, maybe it's other fans. I don't know. But like, you know, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Legend, right. he's a legend. He is a legend. I love the guy. Uh, right, we're going to start this show like we start every show. It's a rip Rip-Rorn review. Um, I don't know where you're going to go with this one, Jace, but take it away. I want it to be as uh, rip and as roaring and as red as it can possibly be. I don't care how we win as long as we win. <laughs> I didn't think today's game was that great, to be honest, but I'm, I, will take, uh, I will take the win in any way, shape or form. Um, it was a long time coming, so I'm 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 just uh, taking in the moment, taking in the win, not over celebrating, maybe a little bit, um, but we are you know um, unbeaten ten games into the season. It'd be good actually. I need to get the stats up to the points comparison of where we were this time last year and where we are now. Um, but yeah, I'm just over the moon. The rip roaring review is I am over the moon. Um, we, we're eight. We're eight games in, Jason. Don't get ahead of yourself. We, I thought we were ten. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> maybe, I mean, I did my maths wrong. Okay, so that's six wins, two draws. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that's good. I'll take that. No defeats. It's good. Uh, and the goal difference is decent, actually, as well. 
Um, I think it's plus 10. City's plus 11. Spurs plus 10. Usually we're well out of the goal difference by now. So, yeah, uh, I you know, I, I need to do the comparison, see where we were after eight games this time last year and points, but very happy right now. Um, best position we can be in, apart from Spurs, but who cares about Spurs? No one. <laughs> so, yeah. Riverwing Review. Grev, tell me, what is your review? Um, actually, quite quite similar to yours. I, I'm really happy where we're at. I think it's the commentators made quite a few points about this during the game. It's that we are, if we had have uh, beaten Manchester City at least once last season, then the likelihood is that we would have been champions, even after dropping those points against mm. uh, West Ham and Liverpool and Southampton. Yeah. Um, so I know that you said about that comparison of like eight games versus last season. I don't know it either, but I would I would say taking that outside. We've done one better than last season by meeting Manchester City. That's really what we needed to do last season. We've, we've done that this season. So super, super happy about that. And like, like you, I know that who would have thought that Spurs would be up there as well. I just can't see the longevity of that Spurs side being where they are. I was actually about to ask a question. When do we start to worry about Spurs? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, like I say, I, I watched most of the Luton game on um, uh, Saturday. They were playing again. They were playing with ten men. I couldn't believe that Luton didn't come out. Well, Luton are pretty awful. They literally didn't create hardly anything. They think they had one chance of note during that game. But Spurs genuinely don't look that threatening. And I, I think I'm really the more disappointed now I look back on it that we didn't take away from that game that we had against them the three points like we probably should have. So I'd give it another eight games, Jace, before we start to be worried about Spurs. I can see the wheels coming off that one pretty soonish, if I'm honest. Okay, no, I'm count. I'm going to. Well, count. I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> no I'm hopeful. I, uh, I think the only, the only thing I'd add to it, like, is Party's been out, Saka's been out. We uh, who else? We we had had Martinelli for the last few games. He's now back. We've had Gabby Jesus out. Our attacking like Party is. I know he's our in theory is our number six, but he has a lot of impact in our attack, as we'll, we'll talk about today. The dynamic. Uh, balls that he's able to to, to play and, and ping around the pitch. So I, I feel like we have had key players haven't had a rest and have got injured. Saka in particular, Gary Hayes has been injured. We lost Martinez. We lost. We lost our pace for a couple of games. Like just so slow. Um, you know, hopefully we've had some some injuries and uh, hopefully we get a nice little bit of clean bit of health. So. We're in, I think we're in a very, very good position. Um, yeah. And Spurs have got to have some injuries at some point. Yeah, we've, we've, you know, we, we've not had the luck on our side on that respect. So you'd hope that it kind of balances out across the season with some of the other teams as well. Um, nice, could, nice review. Some can pull a hamstring. That'd be great. That would be good. Although he doesn't look that great as a nine, although much better than Richarlison, which is not saying much. Um, Right, I'm going to go into the first uh, topic, which says no sack and no problem. So, I'm gonna the way I'm going to start this, Jace. I think like many, uh, you texted it to me. I think as soon as you saw that lineup, you're like no Saka. Um, but that lineup probably doesn't look the way you expected it uh, to look at all, even without Saka. Um, I'm interested on your thoughts about looking at that eleven. What was your thoughts and feelings going into this match, knowing what our starting eleven was? The back was fine. Like, uh, 
no problem with the defense. I was surprised by the start for Jorginho, um, but absolutely the right call, I think, in my opinion, because of that is it's the Jorginho position, regardless of his age, um, his nous and experience in that position. I think paid off. Wasn't expecting it. I was expecting like Rice Havertz Overgaard to be perfectly honest. Because um, Havertz has, has played in, in Chelsea teams that have beaten City, um, Champions League final in particular. So I was expecting, I wasn't expecting Jorginho to be in, in the six. Um, I thought he, he played, he played, he played well. Um, he kept the game calm. He moved the ball. He, you know, he controlled the game at times when he needed to. You know, his fellow ex-teammate Kovacic uh, didn't cause him any particular problems, um, which is the kind of maybe the biggest threat that they had in their midfield, really. Maybe, I mean, Bernardo Silva was trying to, I mean, the thing is, you know it's bad for City when you see them. They've got Bernardo Silva coming and picking and collecting the ball from the keeper at the back continuously and trying to control the game, like, because that's not where he should be. Um, so... I think Jorginho did a really good job at kind of winning that midfield, not winning the midfield battle, but definitely um, like nullifying City's midfield capabilities. Maybe they weren't as strong as they would be if it was De Bruyne and Rodri, but it's still a team that we have to. It's still a team we have to beat on the field, and and you can only beat what's put beat what is put in front of you. So uh, yeah, very happy with the Jorginho performance. Anything you want to add on Jorginho before we keep moving forwards? No, I agree with everything you said. I think he had a really strong game. He obviously had that mistake in earlier on in the season, and there was none of that today uh, from him. I think he was really reliable. He played some really good crossfield balls as well. Um, and I think having a double pivot in this game was just was. We've obviously asked before whether or not Party and Rice is usually the double pivot that we would play. Um, but it wasn't in the, well, maybe it was later on in the game. We can certainly talk about that when we get to it. <clears throat> but it was really like um, protective, I would say. It wasn't quite as uh, maybe as dynamic as maybe Havertz is and could be when he's at his best. Um, but it kind of suited this game. The way that this game did pan out, and you look back on it on reflection now, I think it was the right, right choice. Um, an odd one, though, like I say, completely out of left field, didn't expect it whatsoever. I kind of expected us to play. When I saw that Saka was in training in the week or that he played at least one training session, then I'd 100% assume that Saka would start just because Arteta just seems to want to drive Saka into the ground. I think it was tactical. I think they always knew he wasn't going to play. But um, they only wanted to put off Man City off and have them maybe prepare for having to nullify Saka. Also, maybe he could have played. But the decision was we want. It's one of those ones where it's like we want him to play, but we want him then to have a, at least a week and a half's rest. And uh, you know, if he plays against City, Gareth Southgate will play him every game. And um, for England, because he got called up for England, didn't he? Regardless, he's already been dropped the... out of England, apparently. Though, so maybe, like you say, maybe some tactical stuff. Yeah, there. I think it was all tactic tactics and. Um, and I think that was intentional. But, I mean, talk to me about the front three. Was that the way you expected the front three to line up? No. 
not not at all. I would have for me. I would have preferred uh, Inketia to sit this one out, and I would have done uh, Tross and Nelson, um, probably more likely with Jesus as the nine. But I'm I'm here. I'm gonna happily eat some humble pie. Um, Jesus was absolutely unreal at, at right wing today. He was probably one of our best if not the best player on the pitch. I just love the way he, he's like a like a dog. He just chases after the ball. Like, he doesn't stop. You can tell he was knackered when he, as he came off, and I'm no surprised that he was because he covered a lot of ground. Um, he didn't do what Saka does from that position, where he's kind of like maybe committing players and maybe doesn't read that Ben White overlap because it did happen a few times. He's not maybe quite as, as astute at reading that play as Saka is. But... He did so well today, and I, you know, I, I, I'm like I say, I, Eddie wasn't great as the nine, pretty absent for most of this game, um, apart from chasing down and maybe trying to close in on the goalkeeper, which he's done many, many times before. It got the crowd riled up, which is a good thing, but yeah. other than that, wasn't wasn't a great deal. So, it wasn't what I wanted, but I'm happy with the result that it it, it did. Um, Garner, we will talk about substitutes later on. Because uh, I would say that Trossard was, I, I literally can't remember one thing he did the entire game. I really can't. I don't know if you can. No, I can't. Uh, he, he was really is, absent for me. It's hit, or, it's hit or miss with him, isn't it, this season? Um, He started preseason on fire. I mean, in preseason, he was unreal. That game against Barcelona, I think he scored some awesome goals against him, I remember, in the MLS Cup. He, we were going, he's got, he has, how are we going to leave him out? How are we going to leave him out of the starting lineup? And and we were talking about maybe he could play in the left eight and and, and and trying to figure a way you can get them all in the team. But then Martinelli started from the beginning of the season and it was like, okay, fine. And then and then he comes on, he'll score. And then he'll start when this game and be crap. And, he'll come, and, then, and then he'll come on from the bench again, next game after that and score again. And so it's like it's kind of very intermittent in his performances, and which is fine, I guess. Like we know we, I think we are, we know we can rely on him from the bench. But obviously, he's shown that shown that he can he can deliver from the bench and score goals. But I, I think he he lets us down in starting when he starts. I remember the start. I think it, was it Fulham he started against. Yeah, it's a game. Yeah. He wasn't. I think he got. I think he got uh, changed to half time. I think didn't he? Yeah, hooked at half time. Sit, yeah, again he was hooked at half time today. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I I like him as a player, but he's he's too inconsistent. This just comes back to backing up my my view that we should have signed someone in the summer um, because I don't feel like we have enough on the wings. And I think it's proven because we're playing Gary Jesus at right wing. And I mean, that could have been the, 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 the plan all along, potentially. If we go out for big, big boy, uh, number nine in the summer, Ivan Tony, um, you know, will, will Jesus swift, swift out to the, the wing, right? I, I suspect that might be something that we try and do. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be well. Yeah, there's been a few different strikers that have been mentioned, isn't there? But uh, I saw Aston Villa announced on Friday. Oh, five-year deal, wasn't he? Yeah, yes. Uh, Ollie Watkins has got a five-year new deal. Um, so it looks like it'll be Ivan Tony. Um, 
or is it Ferguson from Brighton? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tony will be mine. Anyway, right. Yeah. <laughs> Enough about the uh, the lack of Saka. I suppose let's talk about what this game really was. Um, it was defense versus defense. This game probably wasn't the uh, the flared football that we are probably used to in uh, the game of Arsenal versus Man City that we've seen last season and previous seasons. Um, I'm going to hand over to you first, Jason. Maybe who who do you want to pick out? I'll let, I'll let you have the smorgasbord of our players because uh, you, you've got the first choice. So don't don't worry about which one you pick. I'm sure I can talk about another one. Oh, that, uh, <laughs> you know who I'm going to talk about? Yeah. Uh, big Big Willie. Big Willie is the best defender in the league quite easily, isn't he? I don't know. Am I saying too much? Uh, you think about Harry Maguire? You must be forgetting, I'm guessing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I I mean, I, the only person I think is, he competes with him is Diaz, and he had a bit of a flop today, uh, particularly in the first half. He let Eddie, was it Eddie through on goal? He had a chance. Yep. Um, but Saliba, amazing game. His partnership with Gabriel was awesome. But, I mean, he has them, he's empty in his pocket again and Harlan's in there. Harlan's in that little hole in his pocket um, again. Um, he he is amazing in one-on-ones. That's what I love. I, I actually get a, a joy in watching him defend. Like, the physicalness that he can take to a player like Harland and go toe-to-toe with him and come out with the ball. Um, you know, it got... Uh, the, the crowd was celebrating some of his challenges on Haaland just as much as they were celebrating goals and and, and, and attacks. Um, he, he's he's just got this ability. I think he's got Haaland's number, and I think Haaland knows it as well. He's never been able to perform against... Haaland's never been able to perform against Saliba in all the games that we've played with those two. Um I remember when we, I think we had a game where we had, um, was it we had Rob Holding in and then we brought Saliba on? Or was it the other way around? Mm-hmm. Saliba way, like last year. And then the Community Shield this year, this game. Um, yeah, like that's Harlan. Harlan's met his match in in, in regards to defenders. Um, and he's had a great performance. Um, he's calm. He's composed. He has the legs. He can go toe-to-toe with any fast player. He can he can sprint and recover. Um, he's a great passer of the ball as well. So perfect performance. I you know I, I would almost be giving him. A, I don't know if he should give ten out of tens, but he's it's pretty good, pretty good nine and a half. If not, <laughs> it was a very very good performance from yeah. from Saliba. Statistically, Jace as well. I just wanted to say like so on Saliba. 100% of his duels, 97% pass completion rate, never got dribbled on once, never committed a foul, and playing against what is the best striker in the league by quite a fair bit. Unbelievable. Yeah, amazing performance. It's funny, so actually, about- I think I, I did see a stat, actually, before, that said um, Saliba, uh, Haaland's XG when we played Saliba has been X, uh, zero in both games. Unreal. <laughs> Absolutely unreal. Can't it. you know? I I don't want to talk about what ifs, but what what if he was fit when we played them? Just you know, it's really frustrating, but it is what it is. It is what it is. But you know, this this is our our chances, our time. Like, 
I just felt when we when we signed him, I was feeling like he could be our Van Dyke. Then he went um then he went away for a few years and then he came back. I was so excited. And there was a number of people saying, Oh, he's gonna leave, he's gonna go. And uh, and and he came in and I mean obviously you know me, I love my my French football, so I was very hyped on him. I wanted him to be given the opportunity, and I'm so glad that that Arteta had the faith to put him in last year. The partnership he's built with Gabriel has been brilliant. Um, you know, he's taken him one one and a half seasons to be top top four, top five centre backs in the world. Um, probably, if not the best Premier League centre back, maybe Diaz is the only one that counters him. Like. You know, this he's 21, 22 now. He's still, like, got, he's still got growth as well, right? So his ceiling's yeah. only going to be higher. Yeah, I mean, his peak's going to peak, and he's going to be peaking at 20. Centre-back's peak at, what, 28, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and they go on to about 32, in, in, and then they slowly move their way back down the league. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously we need to get keep getting him to extend because I do see him at Real Madrid. I do see him at Real Madrid. Like I can see it. He, he's friends. I think he's good friends with Kylian Mbappe. I can see. I can see the French national team at Real Madrid. Right. I mean, they've got the, they've got the midfield. They're getting Mbappe. They're going to have. So I see him go. I can see Saliba and wanting to go to Real Madrid. Well, they got the, they got the best English midfielder in the world, though, Jason. That in that team, not from France. Oh, I have as well. But uh, I mean, that's. That's a bit it's, anyway. It's not a Real Madrid podcast, but yeah, Jesus Christ, <laughs> they're, they're going to look good in the future. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, my love for Saliba is big. Is big. Um, let me ask you, his partner in crime, how did he play? You know, one one thing that would be interesting to look back on is if Party never got injured, <laughs> would we still be seeing this this partnership play out in the same way that it did last season? But absolute rock, Gabriel. Um, he seems much more marauding than uh, than Saliba. Like he seems to be given much more free license to maybe take the ball forward a little bit more, which is fine. Like you know, when you got Saliba at the back, I never worry about when one centre back wants to take on the other. So he was incredibly solid, and it's amazing to think what could have been had had you know why he was dropped for those three games. I suppose we'll never know, but it is what it is. The other one I was going to call out was uh, Zinchenko. I don't know if you. I, I'm not a political. Uh, being to be honest I, I can't say that i know a great deal about what is happening and i all i do know is that he was up at 2am on instagram sending some stuff which didn't go down too well and i think in similar vein to what meza ozil was uh ostracized from arsenal for um but he he went into this it's still started for us played nazi on real game one of the biggest things i wanted to call out on zinchenko was that uh jace you, you worried me because you were talking about seeing doku uh, in the few games that he's played for Man City, like he looks electric, he really dangerous, really drives the players, mm. really something to kind of watch out for. So when he came on, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna. I've not really watched him play, so I'm gonna see what Jace was talking about. Got absolutely pocketed. He actually switched wings. He was so rubbish against Zinchenko. He was like, I better go to the other side because I can't get past him. Which is unreal to think that Zinchenko really doesn't do very well defensively. Mm. I was. My heart was in my mouth. I was like, he's just going to dig it around him, run around him or nutmeg him. Chinchenko did it like he, he tackled him three times. Couldn't get past him. He went to the other side and got nutmegged by Ben White. 
<laughs> so, you know, for me, Zinchenko was really, really good. Obviously got gassed at like 70 minutes again and got taken off for Tommy Yasu, who also performed really well. Um, yeah, just a def- an absolute defensive unit in a game of, it's a very tactile chess-like game, this, this game. No one really, the, my biggest observation was how similarly we set up. We would literally let both of our goalkeepers just have the ball at their feet for like minutes at a time. We were just waiting for players to pounce or make a mistake or step into the wrong position or lose their man and then we counter. And then Man City were doing it to us and we were doing it to Man City. And it was quite amazing probably because both of the managers were standing there going, I don't know what, what, what to do. We're not used to this this kind of, I suppose, like um, toe-to-toe kind of battle, which is maybe why it wasn't quite the, I think you said it like the, wasn't the greatest game by any means. Right. Certainly not the usual. Like uh, this game always has goals in it, and and today it didn't. Yeah, I do you know what I preferred it though, right? Because I didn't feel as on edge. I always feel on edge because we can usually get a goal against City, one goal, and then we either go ahead or we equalise or whatever, and you're always on edge. But then it always falls apart, and we we, we end up letting two or three in. Yeah. Um, whereas today I didn't feel on edge. I, think, I, I don't know, Jake. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to a segue because I think it's a really good segue. <laughs> because oh, you're well, talking about well, being okay. on, okay. <laughs> about being on <laughs> edge. So this, this segment's called Raya In or Raya Out. You, you just, I'll let you go on, Jace, because I think there, there uh, has to be moments where you were on edge, and I suspect this is why. Well, I mean, the first 20 minutes I was on edge. It's actually the first five, ten minutes I was on edge. I... I've got to say what I said before the podcast, Griff. I need to. I need to be honest in my feelings. I am not a necessarily always an analytical person. I am a say what I see, and what I see is I do not see uh, why Raya is in the number one spot at the moment. I don't. I. 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 I, I haven't. He. He. He reminds me of when we had Burnt Leno in goal, when we were trying to pass it out from the back. You know, like. I know that he's good at it. Like we wouldn't have bought him if he's not. But he's lost. I don't know. Is it confidence? Is it nerves? I don't know what it is. But I mean, he's slow with the ball at his feet. His distribution for long balls has just gone down the pan. And even his short passes, he's been giving balls away. And I mean, the the we were we got away with one in the first was it ten minutes? So when was the Alvarez chance? Ten in the first ten minutes. Yeah. But it was. It, it, I mean, what was he doing? What was he doing? I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't fathom. Like, you can see him, like, the, Alvarez is within proximity of him because the way City press. So if you've done your game, game plan and you know how they're going to play against you, you should know that he's going to be around there. You should know that City aren't a team that are going to give you time on the ball because they're a pressing team. So I, I just don't understand what he was he was doing, and we got we just got away with one. I mean, we were so lucky because that could have gone anywhere. And then he almost got caught out again. It was twice that almost happened. Um, and then yeah, just the distribution too long. Two or three long balls I noticed didn't go where they needed to go. Short couple of short passes put us in trouble as well. And I'm just. I'm like originally I I thought he would be the number undistributed number one within a certain amount of time and um and, and he was and, 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 and he is and we wouldn't be talking about Ramsdale anymore. 
But genuinely, based on the performance, and this isn't the first time we've talked about Raya's performances. This, this, like, this isn't the first time in the podcast we've talked about it. I want Ramsdale back. I feel more assured with Aaron than I do with Raya at the moment. Because, yeah, he, Ramsdale looks nervy, but he does know if in doubt to absolutely boot it. Even if it boots and goes out, like he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't mess around. Raya, I don't know, I don't, it's got to be nerves because we know, we know he can play because we've seen him play. So whether it's just the levels up, been up for him because he's a, a different caliber of team now and he's, he's, I don't know what it is. Psychologically, something's not right there. But yeah, I, in the moment, I am, uh, I'm, I'm sitting in the Raya out camp, if I'm honest. Okay. Uh, I love, I love Aaron Ramsay as well as a person, as a human. I like him. I want him to succeed. So at the moment, yeah, put him back in. Okay. Anything your, you dispute um, from what I said? No, say? no, I'm not dis- not disputing you. Uh there was only one that this, you know, like I love I love a stat, Jace. Um would you have said that his pass completion was better in the first half or the second half? I would say it was better in the second half. But you're gonna tell me it's better in the first half. Oh obviously I am, yeah, but I would have said it too, but it's quite significantly. The first half was 78% and the second half was 55. It's like a significant drop off. It's mental, isn't it? Like I mean, I remember always bad balls. I remember being in the first half. I think maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it was just nervy because there was a bit where we had a cagey start. He played it that same ball that actually Ramsdale played against uh Southampton, I think it was, that resulted in their goal. Where it's like between the two centre backs to try and cut through to uh, a rice or a party, didn't make it, and then we were up against it. And like like you, he's not giving me good energy at the moment. Mm. Admittedly, he didn't have to do anything this game. Didn't have to save anything. Literally, didn't have to save. There's a couple of corners. He made a really good punch on one of the corners that came in. Um, I just uh, yeah, like you, I'm I'm probably not as Ray out, but like I like I like Ramsdale. I like him as a person. I like him as a goalkeeper. He's not as self-assured as maybe Raya is. I do actually think that probably there's just a bigger lens on Raya right now. He's gone to a, a much bigger club. Um, he's been you know slingshotted into the number one position in in record time in a in a world where we've talked about competition and maybe he's not the number one. So there's going to be a, a much higher critical lens on him than there would have been had he have just been starting cup games so i think you, you're going to over analyze every little thing that he's doing the only thing that like you say he, he just seemed to dawdle on the ball that was the worst thing for me if eddie and ketia was in there that's a goal eddie and ketia is always the type of striker that's like I'm, I'm on that keeper i'm gonna be over him like a ration alvarez did that that one that was the, the the opportunity in the first kind of segment of the game yeah i'm just a bit not sure. I'm not as rare out as you are. Um, I'm also not fully uh, rare in at the moment. Get off the fence, Greg. Get off the fence. Oh, no, I've taken... We've, we've done a swaparoo, um, Jace. You know, you're, you're usually the fence guy. I'll, I'll be on the fence. L- at least I'm not on the edge. Not on the ledge this time, <laughs> which is always good. Um, right, there's a big talking point in the game that we've not discussed yet. And that is the first half, uh, Kovacic... Uh, and his challenges resulted uh, in a yellow card, and then very, very soon afterwards, uh, did another similar challenge that resulted in no card whatsoever. Um, what is your view on what should have happened uh, with Matteo Kovacic, Jace? Red card. 
<laughs> I mean, End of the segment. <laughs> does it? There's nothing. More, what, need, what more needs to be said? Um, the the first challenge. If like we've seen tackles this season, lighter ones get and get reds because in theory, in in real time, it doesn't look as bad. But you watch the slow mo, that is studs into the ankle. Studs, uh, uh, like it's studs up. I suppose it's a bit up. reckless. I suppose is what they're asking. Well, was I he mean, in control? I suppose you could. This is where it's like it's quite open to interpretation, right? Was he in control? No, because he, if he was in control, he'd have got fairly. He'd have got a little bit near the ball, but he was nowhere near the ball. So was he in control of what of the football? <laughs> no. Was he in control of his leg flying at Odegaard? Maybe. Well, he did it anyway. So uh, I would give him a rip for that. And then I don't. The second one, I couldn't quite eclipse him. Eclipse Rice. I don't know if it's a book in that one. I mean, the second one, I couldn't tell if it was. I couldn't tell if that was bad or not, if I'm honest, from the angles I was seeing. But I was like, either way, like that's another foul. You've already been booked. I suppose he's on the tightrope. That was for me. He was on the tightrope. And if it was Amber, as Gary Neville would kind of put it, then he's done that other challenge. It's kind of like you kind of go ask the question, right? Like, Yeah, Gary Neville colour coding system means absolute bugger all to me. (laughs) I I think uh, Drury said it had turned into uh, some some darker red or some light red colour. I can't remember. (laughs) Burgundy or something he said. Either way, the guy was very lucky to be on the field. And I'm surprised he didn't get hooked at half-time. I, that was the biggest thing for me. I, I was going to go. I thought it was going to cost them because I I've seen a few times now, particularly this year, where the rules are different: time wasting, kicking the ball away, um, dissension. There's more yellow cards than this season. I'd imagine at this point in last season, by comparison, I'd imagine we're way ahead. And so I, I thought he should have been hooked to save face, and they didn't. So I I thought we should have been putting players on him. Yeah, yeah. And trying to for- cause, like, uh, that is one thing of Arteta, I maybe don't see him do enough. It's like, try, like, if Saka had played this game, you know that Pep would have put someone on Arteta to try and take him out of the game. Give him a little challenge here and there, because he, if he was 75% fit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Saka's going to be targeted for the rest of his life, so. Um, yeah, they would have done. But, I mean, I don't know, Arteta's quite good with, Arteta is... He does that. He does. He does have announced for tactical fouling with with us, but like take a tactical foul. I think that's kind of what we took. We took it for Martinelli, didn't we? I think with Luis, mm-hmm. who with forty score. Well, I don't know why he continued to. The referee's whistle clearly gone, but he still decided to score anyway. Um, but yeah, the other way when it's the other way around, I guess, and we need to put pressure on them to commit. We um. We don't always take advantage of it. Don't always take advantage of it. Maybe I don't like Arteta doesn't quite learn the dark arts yet in that respect. Although it looks like Saliba and Saka are both out of international duty uh, coming up. Uh, Saliba, yeah, apparently a toe a, a toe injury uh, might might be a bit of a. Uh, well, is, that, is that coming out of today's game? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So I think that might be a bit of a. I, I don't think it's a real injury. I think it's a protection thing. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, I mean, he didn't look anything during that game, and he played the full ninety. So, yeah, yeah, 
That's no point going to play. He only needs to play the big games. I mean, I, I don't know. What's the competition like for French centre-backs? There's no Varane no more. There's Koyunde, Saliba. Canate, is he, is he French? Yeah, Canate. So Canate. Who am I saying Koyunde? Oh, Koyunde's, uh, Koyunde. uh, mm. um Barca. Is that right? Probably. Let's 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 stop ourselves, James, before we get slated um, on our lack of knowledge of French centre backs. Um, the the last kind of talking point I wanted to kind of go through was um, the substitutions because they ultimately decided this game. We made three. Uh, well, we made three changes at the same time, but we also made a, a change at halftime as well. Um, is there any particular substitution that you think was? Um, particularly masterful, and that worked out for us in the right way, Jace. I mean, Trossard for Martinelli was the one that stood out for me. From the moment we kicked off in the second half, energy, energy levels were up. Um, just the, the the attack became more prominent. We we got City on the back foot, and there was very little then, and I felt in the second half where they were a threat to us, but we were a threat to them, and I think that. I can see you chuck the stats in here. And I think the stats reflect a lot of this, right? Like, you know, shots 12 to 4, um, chances created 10 to 4, like possession was pretty equal. Um, we uh, I, I think that those those changes were influenced by that. Um Martinelli definitely brought an energy. And I also think um him coming on up helped helped rice up his game as well. Uh there's, there's, I think there's a connection there between those two. Rice was certainly more lively with Martinelli on that left side of the midfield and, and attack than we saw in the first half. So yeah, really impressed by Angie. Obviously, he got the he got the winner, which we can talk about in a sec. Um, little lucky, I guess, with the deflection off Ake's face. Um, That's two we've had like that, isn't it? Like a deflection we scored against City. Yeah, against City. Oh, yeah, right. Trossard's one in the Community Shield. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. Obviously, got a knack yeah. for that. That's how we score. Yeah, I don't mind. They all go in, Jace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I, I'm happy for him to get a goal um, on his comeback from injury. We were, we were been saying every podcast that he's not scored and he's <laughs> on the intro, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm happy with his uh, his comeback. It was the right decision tactically. It was it was it was good because also City had adjusted to how we've been playing, right? With maybe not such a quite prominent aggressive attack with energy in the first half. So to be really to change the dynamic of the game for the second half was the right thing. So yeah, happy, happy, happy with that change. I get a feeling you might want to talk about a certain Thomas party. Yeah. I mean, that was for me uh, on top of the Martelli one definitely was the one that stood out and did the most damage, but how, how we have missed Thomas party. I think people seem to maybe forget, uh, well, two things. How good he actually is. Um, we we think because we bought Declan Rice that we don't need Thomas Party anymore. We've got we've got our now our number six. We don't need another one. Um, I think it's uh, ill advised to consider that. The only thing that I would say is that we know that Thomas Party can't play thirty eight games a season. Um, we've seen it plenty of times before. So I think we can wrap him up in cotton wool and roll him out for these type of games when we need to. Um, the second part is he he also is just. I actually think he's better than Declan Rice at driving the ball forward. I think he connects the defence to the midfield and attack much better than Declan Rice is showcasing in his Arsenal colours so far. Yeah. 
Rice just seems to, um, party just seems to be more dynamic in when he hold, when he takes that ball, he protects it really, really well, but can also release it, particularly down the right channel. That's where he was doing most of his work today between Jesus and Ben White and really connecting that that kind of um, between the lines balls. And so that is something that, I mean, I will say on the flip side that Rice, particularly the Rice's uh, track back and challenge of, it might have been Rico Lewis, I can't remember off the top of my head. There was one where he hooked the leg and kind of recovered the ball. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. I, I suppose that's the difference maker here is that Rice has the pace to track players, whereas Party does not. Party loses that ball, he's lost that ball, it's gone. And they were already on the counter, whereas Rice maybe won't. So I think Party for me, really solidified our base um and really does show that in games where you know maybe this is a game where we knew the party couldn't play the full 90 and that's why we started Jorginho had he have been fitter I wonder if we would have done a rice and party pivot because I do still believe that that's probably the better of the of the two yeah I mean I agree I mean party was never going to start because he's not even played he's not even at all so he, is, he was never going to start um because he's not come off the bench at all um and since he's been back on it um i think that the 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 challenge of his his injury in the last few weeks has or four three was it three he's probably been out for about a month right yeah um that what that's shown is that we 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 are as a team don't need him every game um there is life after Xhaka and party we can our midfield can perform without him um on the other hand uh, it i i i believe he is uh, an awesome tool in our arsenal no pun intended um for for us to have and to use and master at the appropriate time because he turns up in the big games uh, there's a couple of games last year against united, united you know yeah you know he turns it on he's he's the i always say it's the way you know you mentioned the dynamic balls playing between the holes finding those balls over the top those are that's that's something that we don't we don't have in every single player in our team I love the way that he can kind of sometimes cruise through the midfield. So he'll do something quick with his feet. He'll find a casual nutmeg on a player and keep gliding, like the way he glides. Um, He's so uh, strong as well. That's another, like, he he rarely gets muscled off the ball. Yeah, no, he, he, yeah, absolutely. And, And so we know about his injuries. I think we found a way to have him and also be able to play about him, which I think is the, is the benefit um and then if you've got Jorginho as well it's it's good you can play habits obviously in the left day and move right into that down a notch into the defensive midfield role so or to the pivot role so yeah um I mean I agree everything you say party's awesome and I'm really happy I really wish he wasn't going away to the African Cup of Nations um that's a pain I have you noticed actually that we've Reduced and reduced and reduced our African player numbers. Contingent, yeah. yeah. Probably for that reason, because like you say, losing them for four to six weeks are relatively critical because games come thick and fast between Christmas and New Year. Yeah. Um, and around that period of time. And the yeah. FA Cup, I, I think, starts as well, or at least the, the, the fourth or the fourth round. Yeah. Around All of well. January is usually AFCON, isn't it? And you lose, yeah. well, it used to be Elneny, Aubameyang, who else used to okay. go? Pepe, 
now we're losing party how many mm. two midfielders that's a problem um we don't mean to rely on habits rice and Jorginho to be fit and available wouldn't be surprised to see us dip in the market in in january for maybe another midfielder because no, i gotta keep that, that powder dry jace gotta keep that powder dry oh i think el nenny leaves at the end of the year right i think he did he have a one-year extension i said i thought he'd get some backroom job at the club because he's such a a likable i know he's doing his coaching badges at the moment um he's such a good uh background influence in the locker and at the club i suspect we'll keep him on for something like that he's not that old though he's not like he's, is it how is it? i know but not retiring like, yet no maybe he can do the the older rob holden role where you just like you just everyone likes you so you stick around yeah fair enough there was one substitute we didn't mention quickly and you did mention Tommy? his name uh no Tom well Tommy had a good job i was going to talk about Havertz. Havertz assisted he got he finally got an assist <laughs> um and i think yeah as the nine i was like bring Havertz on for eddie because eddie i think was was having a bit of a stinker if i'm honest and i think it was actually quite he did well yeah yeah i mean he does everything you need i don't judge habits and goals i've already said this so um i still think more to add he played okay for the time he had in the pitch he was, he was strong in a couple of plays where he needed to be um he made some decent passes didn't lose the ball too much got the assist perfect i i i don't judge him everyone's like oh when habit scores and I don't know. I just don't see him as a striker, so I don't have expectations on him scoring goals. I generally don't. Um, I have. I compare him more to Odegaard. I want to see more creativity from him, but I don't know if he's that kind of player. I sh maybe I need to go back through some old Leverkusen videos to see mm. how he played there. But yeah, he was. He was. It was. It was a decent performance. I don't know if he was sixty-five million, but. Um, Hey, he he doesn't need to worry about the price tag, does he? So it's not no. his fault. No. Okay. Um, that is that game wraps up. We're going to move on to uh, the parking lot. I was only going to say that obviously we're now in the uh, international break, which is the the horrible interlull. We come Ooh. back and I think we play um, Chelsea. It's Look Chelsea, at, is it? Yeah, I'm mean, looking at that table. Chelsea have obviously gone into a little bit of a run of form. Uh, in recent times, but I still think they are a, a hot mess. Um, yeah. Looking at the table that it looks like now, Jason, in terms of your parking lot, did you see this table shaping up the way that it is at this point in the season? So that is uh, Spurs and us are joined top on 20, Man City on 18, Liverpool on 17, Villa on 16, uh, alongside Brighton, and then below that is West Ham and Newcastle. Things I didn't see. Um, Villa being up there. Didn't see West Ham being up as high as they were, either seventh. Um, having only lost two games as well. Um, Liverpool are expected to come back to some extent. We've already talked about the biggest surprises. The biggest surprise and and disappointment is Spurs. Uh, I wasn't expecting. I mean, I just don't know. And the thing is, Spurs are scoring goals as well. So. Um, it's strange yeah. you take Harry Kane out of that team and you would uh, you would expect but it seems like they've invested that money relatively well and also not really suffered too much in front of goal either. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
I think that releasing Kane to allow Son, Richarlison, and and Kubitschewski releases it just it gives them a creative it's a freedom. freedom. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have before, and I think that they are benefiting from that. As I say, you just hope that it's something that that doesn't doesn't last. Is what you have to hope. You have to pray and hope. Because just looking at the last five games, we've got exactly the same record as Spurs. And the only reason we've got the same record is because the game we drew, they drew because we played them. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, and then after that, the next best team is Brighton and Liverpool with one free, lost one, drawn one. They're both us and Spurs are both unbeaten at the moment as well, which I think is surprising. Yeah. Who, who need... do you think is going to lose first? Uh, Spurs. Confident. I just have to. I imagine if Spurs been unbeaten the whole year. Doesn't bear thinking about Jace. I was only going to say as well, there's one team that does surprise me. I need to look back at my predictions. Um, Brentford. Brentford are currently 15th. They've only won one game. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, they don't look good either. And I I expected them to to do well. I'm sure I had in my predictions. They were relatively high up. I'll tell you something, it's not looking good for the promoted sides, is it? Ah, they are. Yeah, I mean, awful. Luton are awful. Burnley are nowhere. Everyone expected Burnley in in company, the way company plays, to be doing much better than they are. They are shocking. Sheffield United, one point. They drawn one, lost the rest. Someone did write write somewhere, is this the worst crop of three teams to come up? In recent memory, yes, just but based on the performances that they're putting in on performances, yes. So, I mean, we expected more from Burnley, Sheffield United didn't expect anything from Luton. I mean, I'm, I don't what I, I don't watch the championships, so I can't comment on last season, but I mean, I was surprised to see them come up to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's been a bad season. And what's even more disappointing is that Everton are sitting three points clear of the relegation zone and, and uh, on in 16th. I I'm just want Everton to go down. I really want Everton to go down. They've won two games. Won two games. They're just going to get safety. That's all they need. This the, the other teams are just a lot worse than them, Jason, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess they move into their new ground. But they've still got money problems, haven't they? So. Yeah. Anything else yeah. that you want to add into the parking lot then, Jace? Mm, I wondered what your thoughts were on the VAR controversy that's been going around. Uh, so I listened to the audio from the Liverpool one. The biggest, the most crazy thing to think is it, I think they said it was something like seven seconds between when they'd realised they'd made a mistake. Uh, uh, to And the game was obviously already started. And the, the argument they've had is I can't do anything now once the game has started. It just feels insane to me that once the ball goes out of play, and the referee just goes, right, stop. The on-field decision was this, and you sure that's what you wanted to do? And then just in the same way that NFL does it, where they just play the clock back, and we we're just going to put the mm. clock back to 23 minutes and 22 seconds, and we're just going to go from there, and it'll be the goal stands. Um, I can understand why they haven't done it that way, but it just feels to me that a league of this money, of this nature, why they can't get some of those things right. i tell you one thing that actually did piss me off even more than that. Um, Michael Oliver was the ref today. Uh, he was 
paid for by the Sheikh, who is the co-owner or the sole owner of Manchester City, to referee a game in the UAE. Yeah, if that's um... not a conflict of interest, I don't know what is. Oh. Just a lot of that stuff at the moment. I think I've talked about it before. Like, I think 80% of all the referees are from the greater Manchester area. They're all from up north. Yep. They all seem to be, there's no one holding them to account. Even, I think it's Howard Webb is now, is he the the, the head honcho as part of the PMGOL? Yeah. His is interesting because obviously he's, he's switched on about what he's doing. And I think he can't make change. I've been think I was thinking about this a lot. I don't think he can make change overnight, right? So he's taken on this job in the last what six months, is it? Like last mm-hmm. yeah. It's not it's not too the job too long. He was doing it in the MLS. And in the MLS he introduced the uh, basically making apologies that they've been doing here. And he explaining explaining decisions and reasons he was doing that. So he's now trying to do that in the Premier League, which everyone's been like, what we're hearing from the P- PGMO all the time, like we never used to. What the hell? What the hell's he doing? And um, now he's 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 trying to be. I I get it, right? Like he's trying to be. He's trying to be transparent. Transparent and also be vulnerable and be like, look, we made a mistake here. We we fucked up. Like it's and he's trying to be honest. But the problem is, is that there's so many mistakes happening that it's 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 actually it's every week almost. It's like, yeah, it's every week almost. It's 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 yeah it's it's going the wrong the wrong way. I think the challenge is at the moment is that he you know until the end of the year. I mean, they can't change it because I'm guessing they can't change something mid season because it would be unfair. Because other one of the clubs, yeah, would say yeah, come like, for them and not for us. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I mean, I I look I, I saw the I heard the voice commentary from a local game and. The interesting thing I've been going around, it's been some WhatsApp groups uh, I'm I'm part of. It's got Spurs fans and Liverpool fans in. And like, there's like, should we replay the game? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, we should play replay the game. And the only thing I can remember is Arsenal, Sheffield United, when Carnu scored. Um, this was back in, I want to say, 98, 99 season. Um, we scored. I can't remember how, how it came about. But Carney scored, and the goal shouldn't have counted, basically. And we replayed the game against Sheffield United. It was an FA Cup game. Um, and that was the only time I can remember a game being replayed in recent memory because of such a reason. And um, then I had to find it bizarre. Like, loads of Liverpool fans want the game replayed. Uh I, I can kind of I don't know I mean I don't know whether it's because Klopp said it. If she was on the other on the other foot, we would probably be saying the same. But knowing what we know, like it's just not going to happen. Well, that's the thing. Like it doesn't happen in the modern game. You can't get kind of spilled milk. You just got to kind of got to move on. Yeah, it feels like they have a little bit. Yeah, I think the comments Klopp made created a load of unnecessary um, discussion around it. Mm Like, because let's be honest, no one's ever going to replay it. Like, you can't get 60,000 people, TV, all of the different things, all the commercials, the betting industry, it's around football, all of that stuff. You you can't replay a game as simple as that. No, you'd be like, oh, this player's now not available. You know, all of those kind of questions as well. It's, you know, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I do think they need to do I like your idea about the NFL clock thing. That's definitely something I think we could try. 
I'd be interested to I just, see. Yeah, I'm just not too sure that we are, like you say, I don't think there's enough accountability in refereeing in this country. And there's also so much uh, money and other interested parties in this that it just feels like a, a difficult minefield to play within, to make change within, like you say, it's difficult. And I can understand and sympathise a little bit with their position, but like, it, it's even like today, like take Kovacic, there's, a, there's, a, there's rules in which VAR can engage. The referee might not have seen it in real time. You look back on it, that's a red card. He'll get the second yellow for that second challenge, no doubt about it. But because VAR can't interject because it's not deemed as anything on the field, it's those kind of rules that really do frustrate me. Yeah, and because, yeah, they're inconsistent. I, yeah. I, someone, who was it? It's a proper podcast I listened to. I'm going to apologise because I can't remember who it was. But basically they were saying, would you scrap VAR until it can be completely taken over by technology? Because no one, no one complains about goal line technology. It's a straight line, ball's over, it's over, it's a goal. Referee gets notified on the buzzer on his arm. If you could have VAR completely taken over by technology, so it draws the lines itself on the video. Because um, I think they, they drew the line drawing, don't they? It was my understanding yeah, in, they in, move in the room. Yeah. And they move it and they take look at the angles. So that that is not actually technology. Subject, really. it's, a, it's subjective then, isn't it's it? It's subjectivity on top of using a technology to make a decision. It's subjective. It's like mm. I can do something at work. I can use technology to do it. But I've done the creation of whatever that thing is. That's subjective then. I'm judged in my subjectiveness. If the computer has done the work and I've now had no input into it and it's come out with a decision, then you there's no there's no discrepancy. The computer what the computer says happens and it's consistent. I suppose they're still but, able to make mistakes. Yeah. Well yeah. but I, I just think if you take the human out of out of decisions, I think it removes the subjectivity, which means it's harder to argue. And I think if they could find a solution to VAR, which uses just technology and removes the human, I think it, that we'll have less of these controversies because there won't be there'll be nothing to argue about. It's not like you can argue with a human about it because you can't. So um, I think they need to find another solution. Either can it for now and come back when technology is available. That's probably what I would do. So we're all going to have to return to the podcast once VAR becomes sentient and takes over the world in Jason's ideal. Uh, we're going to have to send a Terminator back to get it, I reckon, Jace. Yeah, or to the point that artificial intelligence can take over my job on the podcast. Uh, yeah, let's get GPT involved. Yeah. <clears throat> right. That uh, wraps us up for uh, today's uh, show. If you are watching on YouTube, please do give us a like, a subscribe and a comment. Uh, if they are listening on their podcast provider of choice. Jace, what should they do there? Uh, podcast provider of choice. Please leave a five-star review and uh, a, a lovely uh, review of the highest order. Uh, we we only like good reviews. And um, Grev... It's currently at five on Spotify, so I'm happy with that. Oh, well, thank you, whoever, whoever left the review. Maybe Probably all me on my, my burner accounts. Just <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, uh, we will probably speak to you in the international break. I suspect we might get a chance to review some of those Puma kits next, Jay, so look forward to that. Oh, uh, but if we don't speak to you before, <laughs> we'll see you for the Chelsea game. Yeah, exactly. Come on, you're everyone Reds. We'll see you again next time. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.